Welcome to the Hereby Call podcast, where we focus on preparing the called and reminding the returned by sharing life-changing experiences from serving the Lord. Sit back and relax because you're listening to the best podcast of this dispensation. Yeah, like just seeing the fruits of hard work and knowing that you're an instrument in the Lord's hands was pretty cool because it wasn't and like it wasn't Elder Reamer and I because we were just doing what we're supposed to do and trying our best and the Lord kind of put the other puzzle pieces together. Welcome back to the Hereby Called podcast. I'm your host, Jordan, and we're excited to have Zach with us. Yeah, I've been real busy. Zach's been a busy guy, but we're more excited to have Lucas Bodine with us. Lucas, how's it going? Doing good. It's been a good day. So Lucas, let's jump into it. What was the name of the mission you served in? The Canada Edmonton Mission. And backing up, like thinking of Lucas before, what when did you decide that you were going to serve a mission? I would say probably for sure in my priest quorum. Just growing up in the ward, uh, our bishop was really on top of that kind of stuff with getting us prepped. So by the time we were ordained an elder, we, we were ready to go. So we were studying Preach My Gospel every week. I had two older brothers go out. Um, it wasn't a question if I was going or it was just how and when and and what was going to be in store. So yeah, we like we taught mock lessons when I was 16, oh, really? 17. That's awesome. <laughs> we already right. memorized the first vision. And so that's really, cool. I felt like we were really prepared and that was real fun. And you were English speaking. Yeah. Awesome. So you get your mission call. You've what you've, you know, prepared and you've waited for months and weeks and put together your paper and your application. You, you get this mission call. What were your thoughts when you opened it up and read Canada Edmonton? I, well, because my brothers both went foreign and foreign speaking. Uh-huh. I thought I would go foreign, a different country outside the U.S. with a different language. And so I saw it and I was like, okay, it's not third world country. It, I still have my own cars. I, it's English speaking. It's still different. Um, so I was, I was kind of a little shocked. I'm like, oh, am I not good enough to go so far <laughs> away? Like, yeah. But I, I was really excited because I knew it was a good place. Uh, like Western Canada, Alberta is kind of like the Utah of Canada, if that makes sense. Yeah. So tell us a little bit where Edmonton is and, and kind of the, the culture because you, eventually you get on a plane and you go there and you're not in the U.S. anymore. But like, what, what was it like? Uh, I don't know. Like, yeah, tell us where it is and yeah. kind of your first thoughts. So Edmonton is in Alberta, which is the Providence it's not the most west. Um, it's like directly north of... Just straight up the Rocky Mountains, right? Yeah. Yeah. But it's Edmonton Metro is about a million people. It's a lot of blue collar. Um, they kind of have a rivalry with Calgary, which is like two and a half hours or three hours south. Mm-hmm. And Calgary is kind of white collar, more professional, where Edmonton is oil fields oh, okay. and like real rough people, rough working Canadians. And about my mission, it's, I heard it was one of the largest geographical missions because it goes all the way north, 
like pretty like much North to the, Pole, to the Northwest just... Territories, North Pole. Oh, dang. So, wow. Yeah, there was our mission. If we started from Edmonton all the way to St. George, that's how long it was <laughs> going north. Wow. That's yeah. pretty big. Wait, can you say that again? Yeah. So if you were to go from Edmonton to St. George, that's how long the mission was, but flipped going north. Oh my goodness. Get, there's it's a place called Yellowknife. It's a diamond town and you have to take a plane in there when you go and it's only, it's not open during the winter and Oh wow. Yeah. That's huge. So did you guys have areas all the way up there? No, Yellowknife was about the most north. It was in the Northwest Territories. But if you went northern, like you could get you could see actually uh native people there with like oh, wow. the, the seal like flubber stuff and igloos and <laughs> wow. no way. It's yeah, it's a pretty cool thing. A lot of people try to go up there in the winter just to it is a totally different world up there. Now when I think of Canada, I think of like freezing cold and you're an Arizona boy, right? Yeah. And what was that like going? Well, going in, I went in the summer. Uh-huh. So Canadian like, summers are yeah, gorgeous. How, how, yeah, describe the, the Canadian summer. <laughs> because real quick, it has been, how many days, Jordan? 55 it's days? It's been 50 days of over 110 degrees yeah. here in Arizona. It's, it's a record for the hottest summer. So like the Canadian summers are like Arizona winters. Just gorgeous. Dang. So it, gets, yeah. it still gets pretty cold? Uh, yeah. Or chilly? It, it's pretty cold. It's Everything's in Celsius there so but in fahrenheit it's like a high of 75 in oh, the really? summer. <laughs> but the winters are brutal um at, at minus 20 it's the same celsius in fahrenheit yeah we were we weren't allowed to go outside to tractor you had to have a set appointment um and the lowest i got was minus 40 with wind chill minus 40 degrees well since it's e- since it's equal no, that was past fair. That was Celsius. Yeah, it was Celsius. So okay. I don't know what the, it was just crazy. It's cold. just cold. It's just cold. cold. Yeah. But minus 20 on a <clears throat> winter day is not crazy uncommon. It's cold. Jeez. So like, I don't know, attracting on your mission, did you guys knock doors? Did you guys walk around with the golf balls in your pocket? I oh, yeah. I, I've heard really? all the stories. Yeah, I've heard. Oh yeah. I always carried a golf ball. Um, and that's just because if you show your bare knuckles, it's just going to bust them open and yeah. bleed. Um, something that's a little bit different is a lot of missionaries didn't have laces on their shoes because the first thing you do in a Canadian house is take off your shoes. Oh. That's because it gets so wet and muddy uh-huh. with all the slush and everything. Yeah. So you don't wear a lot of laces. Some missionaries did, but kind of interesting. Did you got? Did you have to like wear? Again, I'm thinking of can't like oh, a parka, I, like oh, huge winter coats, big thick socks, um, winter boots, toques. Do you know what a toque is? Uh-uh. Oh, what's that? That's a beanie. Oh, okay. It's <laughs> beanies. You don't say beanies up there. It's a toque. Okay. Yeah. Tell us like some of the cultural like, like there's house and a. Yeah, and like like tell us what was like the the common vernacular and stuff uh, for yeah. Canadian. Hey and a, hey is like the cooler a. That's what I felt. A lot of younger people oh, said really? hey, but they still toss it in a sentence. Oh, That's yeah. cool. Hey, it's yeah. always at the end of the sentence, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like a couch is a Chesterfield. Oh. <laughs> was that like a brand or something? Or no, it's a lazy boy. It's like every chair here no. is a lazy boy. It, no, a sofa. It's like a sofa. That's a Chesterfield. Oh wow. There's a lot of things kind of tie over with Commonwealth, so British and okay, okay. Australian kind of lingo. Um, big, don't get the big and the flag. Um, what do those mean? What are you, that's a bag. 
Oh, a flag, <laughs> a flag. Okay. Um, what else? He's speaking a different language. A decal. <laughs> What's that? Decal. Oh, okay. like a decal on a yeah. on a bus or something. Yeah, and like spelling. Every like the emphasis is color has a U in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or there's uh, a lot of E's at the end of words too. Huh. All right. So we talked about the weather. And obviously, what it was a cultural cultural melting pot, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what were some of the one question that we always like to ask? What were some of the what was the weirdest thing you ate while you were on your mission? Uh, Filipino food, actually. Um, I had a few Filipino uh, converts and people that I taught. It's called dinuguan. It's this meat that's cooked in its blood, and the blood is a sauce. Okay. They thicken up that sauce in it. <laughs> yeah. So it's a real irony. It tasted tasty. good, yeah. actually. And then I also had balut. Oh, you had it? Oh, yeah. Really? You, yeah. You're smiling. Was it good? Or was it, it like... It was okay. Did you di- <laughs> did, okay. did it go all the way down and you digested it? Oh, or did it come I ate back the up? whole thing. I ate the whole thing. Because we had a sister from... She served in Iloilo. Yeah. And they ate it in the MTC and she like couldn't yeah. handle I it. I had some members like, no, you want this duck because it's not... It wasn't... Totally gross yet. Interesting. Oh, really? Yeah. So, and then the funny thing is now that we're talking about it is you celebrated Canada Day when you came home from your mission and you invited me to this party. Yeah. And it was the coolest party ever because we had, I had poutine for the first time. Yes. Which is a staple. Are there any other, and poutine, for those who don't know, is basically French fries with gravy and curds on it. Yeah. Oh, dude, I thought it was like pudding. Yeah, it kind of sounds <laughs> like it. it. But what what's another like Canadian staple that... Because I had never heard of poutine before I came over to your house. Yeah. Um, Albert, kind of how Texas thinks that their beef is the best. Uh huh. Alberta beef is supposed to be the best too. And um, that's one thing. Donaires. I, I was talking about this with my wife the other day. It's kind of like a gyro or hero. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But it has a different meat and it's a like a garlic sauce. Huh. I have yet to find. Doesn't that exist. Pan. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that a lot of the chocolate too. Canadians say, "Oh, American chocolate is the worst because it's milk chocolate." And they, they get, say that they put wax, we put wax in it to preserve it. But I, I yeah, thought I it tasted good up there too. That could be true. <laughs> kinder, kinder eggs. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. that would that's a big thing up there, and a lot of like kind of British chocolate too. Some different candies, and I always stash up or Tim Hortons too. Tim, I've heard of those. But what's I've heard of we, that? We call I should them, say uh, it's. You know how like when you go to Dutch Bros, it's a crazy lineup yeah. here? It's the same thing in Canada, but it's even worse. You call it the Timmy lineup because every morning there's just so many people. And this is a coffee shop? It's a coffee shop, but okay. the honey crullers are so good. It's awesome. So yeah. <laughs> good times. Yeah. There's nothing like the food to r- remember your mission. Yeah. So Definitely. I had sent you a questionnaire of kind of things that we want to talk about, some stories that had some impact on you. And it's beautiful because you didn't give too much description, but one of them is you just put the apartment building. So I was in my first area. It was my, I was just trained for six weeks. And the second transfer, I was put with a missionary that I went out with. So we were the most fresh missionaries in the whole mission. Kind of didn't, had no idea what we were doing. We knew how to work hard. Um, yeah, but we were on splits. I was in Red Deer, Alberta, kind of real rural, almost redneck sometimes. Nice. And we had a referral 
And so, you know, let's go check out this referral. Referrals were really rare to get from the church. I maybe got... Yeah, whenever you get one of those, you jump on that. I maybe got three or four my whole mission. So we were really excited and get the address. And it's just like, there is no address on the street. So like, hmm, okay. And I'm with my companion. And we were on splits, so I wasn't even with my real companion. And we look and say, that's the apartment. That's, that's where they're at. And we're like, okay. So now what are we, now what are we going to do now? So, so they gave you the address of the building, but not the actual like number of the apartment. They gave us the address, but it was wrong. And so we were, we pretty much eyed it down. Like, okay, this is the apartment that the referrals in. Okay. And we're like, okay, because now there's a buzzer and we need to hit the buzzer and try to figure out who the referral is. And we say a little prayer in the car and then we buzz, buzz, where are the missionaries? You requested a Book of Mormon. Oh, I've been waiting for you guys. Where are you? Uh, we're right now. Oh, come on up. I've been, I've been, where have you been? And we're just like, <laughs> so you put the first button you pushed was the right one. Yeah. And so we go up and we teach a lesson and, uh, we gave a baptismal commitment and he committed it, it, like in, in the end, I don't think things panned out or, and we actually referred him to the YSA missionaries who he was under. So like in the big scheme of things, nothing really panned out long-term, but it was so cool just seeing how we were so focused. And as a young missionary, I really didn't know what was a right like I knew the mission rules but I didn't know how to be a real great missionary and so just learning how to listen to the Lord and the spirit and yeah that was that was pretty incredible because he was like where where have you been we're just like we pushed the right button and you're here but we knew that it was inspired and so that was pretty sweet yeah and it's crazy I heard a quote when I was in the MTC uh, it's like one of the senior missionaries that somehow is their mission is the MTC. And he said something that, that always stuck with me. He said, green grows and ripe rots. And I thought of missionaries and like when you're a green missionary and like the, the story that Lucas just shared, you might like not understand, but when you're a missionary, you're in a place you've never been before. And then you were on exchanges. So you, now you're in charge and you're 19 years old and you've been doing missionary work for three weeks or six mm -hmm. weeks. Mm -hmm. And so it's just like, all right, find someone that's trying to, hear about our church and there's hundreds of people everywhere, but this person's looking specifically like that's a miracle. That's hard. Yeah. 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 Or like there's also another, my first day before I even got home to the apartment to unpack things, my companion, the trainer is just like, Lucas, you gotta, or elder Bodine, you gotta knock these doors and you're going to teach a lesson. I'm like, all right, let's do this. So we knock one door, two doors on the third door. Uh, knocked the door and we teach a full lesson and gave a baptismal commitment. It didn't pan out, but that was a real eye shaking, like opening experience. Like, Whoa, I can, I can teach. There's people here. I'm ready to go. And that was just a cool way just to start out and get my feet wet and just get rid of any like doubts or worries. Like if I can do this or not. So that was, that was pretty fun too. Yeah. It's definitely, 
And that's the tough thing about missionary work is it's not common to just like, I'm going to talk to a random person about Jesus Christ and I'm going to hope that they make a life-changing decision to get baptized today. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like it takes a while and you, like your trainer is so wise to let you just jump into it because that's how you have to do it. You just have to jump. Yep. Definitely. Yeah. I don't know why there's, there's, I can't remember where it, where it's at. There's a scripture, um, look unto, unto me and every, every thought, doubt not, fear yeah. not, yep. you know? So it's like, I remember, um, same thing being the trainer in that situation and being like, all right, dude, you got to go figure this out. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not going to sit here and hold your hand. Definitely. Um, and it was tough. It, and, but at the same time, it's, it's exactly that, you know, I liked how you, how you mentioned that prior to pushing the button, you, you guys said a prayer. So you guys did your part, right? And mm -hmm. then Heavenly Father did his part. And regardless of what panned out, that's a, a principle that's going to stick with you for the rest of your life. So another thing that you had mentioned that you want to talk about was two young missionaries. Uh, that's kind of, that's part of the same story. Yeah. Kind of similar. Yeah. Um, I could even go on a little bit more about that. Um, that's when, after six weeks, someone who came out with me, uh, joined me as a companionship help elder Reamer. He's actually here in Chandler. Um, so you guys were just one transfer in. Yeah. And now you're companions. So you're both like, yeah, brand new. Brand new. And we, yeah, we, I, we weren't really efficient. We knew what missionary was like and we both had good trainers and we, we worked so hard because prior to that, it was kind of. The first, we were together, I think, just six weeks, but the first few weeks were just so slow. There's nothing going on. And fast forward to like a few months, we had multiple baptisms, more than the past six months and year. And we there, I had to, I transferred after six weeks being with him, but it was really cool. We just, the area just blew up and baptisms left and right, lots of miracles and there was one lady who came up to us in church like, all right, I want to get baptized. We're like, let's, <laughs> let's get uh, lessons today. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like just seeing the fruits of hard work and knowing that your instrument in the Lord's hands was pretty cool because it wasn't, and like it wasn't Elder Reamer and I, because we were just doing what we're supposed to do and trying our best. And the Lord kind of put the other puzzle pieces together. So, yeah. I love that. I, I love seeing, I think everybody has had a, an opportunity or, or a situation like that, whether it's on your mission or in your life. And just to see how the Lord comes back and goes, okay, they're doing their part. I'm going to, I'm going to play chess a little bit on this side. Yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't always immediate. Yeah. 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 I left the area and then like almost every month I kept hearing, oh, this guy got baptized and this, oh, oh. yeah. Like <laughs> what we were doing, it's, we were doing what we were supposed to do and so that's cool. And sometimes that's all you can do. I think everybody's looking for this like golden use or like this secret chapter in the Book of Mormon that talks about how to be a missionary or, <laughs> in the, you know, like you just do everything you can to be a good missionary. You yeah. Know? And I like, this is just a, something I saw. I feel like as uh, people can, almost anyone can get someone to get baptized. I feel if you really push hard enough and try you really can, but are they going to be self-sufficient? Are they going to have a testimony? Are they going to go to the temple? Are they going to keep a calling? And so like you, you have to prepare them for that rather than just get baptized and, and go, which is a bummer, but yeah, it's a lifelong, it's a principle of lifelong learning. Yeah, definitely. So you, another thing that you had mentioned is leadership experiences and 
we were in the same YSA ward and you're, you're a great leader and have a lot of skills. What, what, where do those skills develop from your mission? I think from my companionships, I had some great companions, a lot of, I had a hard companion too, a few hard companions. Um, I just felt like the mission helped me to be kind of more organized and planned, if that makes sense. So yeah, my, I mean, you're, you're planning every day, every moment of your, yeah. yeah. So my first tran at the end of my transfer, I set goals for my whole mission and I got all those goals, like number of baptisms, number of lessons taught every week. And so I thought like goal setting and planning was probably my greatest attribute as a leader. Um, but at the same time you learn from your district leader or your mission president, like serving with the mission president in, in the office was really awesome too, to see that. And I don't know if there's, there's lots of stories. Yeah. Well, um, let's go there. I mean, we're talking about your mission president and someone that you rub shoulders with quite a bit. It seems like every mission president and, and wife has kind of a theme to them. What was like your mission president's theme? I think, well, the mission president prior to was really strict letter to the T like follow that where our mission president, uh, the one that I had, uh, president Campbell wanted us to have choice and make sure that, that we took accountability for our choices. So like, there's just two examples while I was in the mission office, we were doing some weekly numbers to send out to the zone leaders. And I get a phone call. Elder Bodine, Canada Edmonton Mission, how may I help you? Hello, Elder Bodine. This is uh, Brother Bodine. Dad? <laughs> He's like, hi, Lucas. Uh, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, uh, I'm, I'm on my mission. I'm doing like missionary hey, what work. <laughs> Why are you calling? He's like, I'm trying to get a hold of uh, President Campbell. Like what? Okay. What's going on? Is there like, I, cause I, I was thinking something bad happened yeah. or something. I guess my parents were going up to a trip to Calgary and they were going to be about an hour away from Edmonton. And I was approaching my last six months in my mission. And so they were seeing if they could visit me on a day. And I told president Campbell and then president Campbell said, I'll give you the day to think about it. And you let me know. And I was like, I was expecting him to just say no, or like just one or the other. Yeah. Hitting the decision. Yeah. I was like, yeah. you, you give the decision, but he <laughs> said, no, you just get back to me. And so I thought about it and I told my parents, I, I called my parents back, which was kind of fun and yeah, cool. Um, and told them not to come out to visit me just cause it was so close. And I would have been, I ended up being in a rural area. I would have been really homesick the last it would have thrown you bit. off a little bit. Yeah. So, and, and kind of with that, uh, when I was going to that area, my mission president said, uh, where do you want to go? Do you want to go here or here? I was like, why, why are you, why are you making me do that? <laughs> like, you're the mission president. You should. So just, just those two examples, just making your own choices, being accountable and, and using the Lord to receive that revelation and, it might not always be black and white, but I knew what the Lord helped me know what I needed to do. 
specifically. It, it would have been different for other elders and sisters yeah. there, but so I thought that was what he did. He was really fun, really easy going to. And you had him the whole time? Yeah, I was in the office six months with him. So Cool. And then the other question I had was you, you mentioned that you had some tough companions and I always like to eventually whoever listening to this podcast is either served or maybe appreciates, you know, these stories or whatever is going to serve. But at some point in your life, you're going to be with someone that's difficult. <laughs> Definitely. If it's companion or not, what advice would you give to someone in that, in a situation like that? Uh, something that like I always had to say to myself, like, I can't change someone else. Like it, Jordan picks his nose a lot. I just can't, <laughs> I can't change that. I can only change myself and how I view others. Yeah. So that, that was my big motto for at least two of my companionships. Cause one, one guy was just, he was just difficult at times. Um, which, but yeah. Which isn't a bad thing. Like I think the big thing when you talk about difficult companions, like, Personalities are different. We, yeah. we get along oh, totally. with different people. And it's not that they're bad people. Yeah, it's not that they're it's bad just people. Your personalities didn't mesh. Yeah, things yeah, make he, it difficult sometimes. He really liked fish. So when I gave him a fish tie and he thought that was the best tie ever. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought it was the worst tie ever. So it was a good trip. I'm yeah. like, oh, here you go, Elder. You'll love that. <laughs> One man's trash. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then like probably six or months, six or so months after I served with him, uh, he told me that, I was his favorite companion and I was, I was kind of floored. I'm like, me, like I, <laughs> I couldn't stand being around. I think like, hey, got, and he, re he was really appreciative of me being with him and the things that we learned together. So that was, that was cool. Yeah. Seeing like in the moment, it was really not fun, but looking back at it, like we, we both learned a lot how to, I mean, your wife's or spouse will, do something you won't like too, and some gotta yeah. yeah figure it out. And something that you just said about you know trading the the tie and one you have no idea what kind of impact you're gonna have on someone, but also we haven't talked about tie trades. Much. <laughs> oh, was that big on your mission? Like we haven't talked about that at all. Like just so people are aware, oh. missionaries <laughs> accumulate and trade ties. It's like a black market. It is. Like, I, oh, dude. How, like how many ties did you have when you left on your mission? Oh, when I left? When you left? Like come home? Like when you left to Canada versus coming home. Oh, I probably came out with 10. Yeah. But at one point I had 120 what? ties. What? Th that's not, that's not <laughs> 120? uncommon. 120? Wait, wait. I went, I boiled it I down to 50. 60. I left with like Oh 15. my gosh. I had like nine. But wait, maybe it's harder Brazil. 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 <laughs> yeah. Well, and but I would I would buy and trade and do all that stuff, but I never had a hundred and hundred and twenty. It was yeah, bad. I don't know. It's like trading <laughs> but, cards. Yeah. But it sounds like you had a problem. Like, tell us about that. Yeah. On P days, we go to our favorite store and get our birthdays. I don't know. It was just yeah. something fun to check do. out the clearance. Yeah, section. we would always go. Yeah. Um, a big thing in Brazil. A lot of the families in certain areas had family in Italy, and so they'd send a container Ooh. over. With like the design or clothes or whatever. Yeah. Like it would be like Italy's goodwill. They'd send to Brazil and it's, you know, it's Armani. So I had an Armani suit that I would wear just when it was raining on Sundays. Right. So yeah, we would buy and sell ties, but like we would never go hunting for them. Oh yeah. I, every companionship of mine, um, at a tie. And companion ties too. Oh, like you'd wear, you'd like matching ties? You'd uh -huh. wear, <laughs> or like if a trainer trained you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the posterity tie. Yeah. 
So like it keeps going in the mission? Yeah, you write yeah. your name on it and give it to the person you trained. Huh. Do you guys not have those? I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure... I mean, every tie that I gave away, I wrote my name on the back. Like, I know it's big. I just yeah. never knew it was 150 maybe, ties. Yeah, maybe big. the tie culture down south isn't as strong. There was... Uh, 150 ties? When, That's like a whole suitcase. Yeah. Yeah, and I, the thing I, is, you can only wear them like like three or four times because there's three... You like go days, home for so lunch like, and you yeah. change your tie and... <laughs> yeah. Anyways, back back to your mission. What are what are some moments that you happen, that happened or maybe some miracles that you saw that have been like... I don't know, pillars of your testimony. Like this is, I don't know, this is maybe just how I work. I don't have like a, a lightning bolt moment or like, which is like 99% yeah. of people don't. And I kind of shared some of those important stories for me. Yeah. But just the, just being able to teach a random stranger about the truths that you've been known your whole life, you're 19 years old and the church trusts you to teach these people and baptize them and help them stay true. And that whole process of preparing for those lessons to try to find someone and teaching that is so sweet. Like there, I could talk about Pierre, about Leighton, and I'm sure each missionary has a few people that you think about like how that gospel, how the gospel impacts them, which makes everything so important. And something um, that I learned, even going out to my mission, getting set apart by President Wright. Yeah. Was he your state president? He too? was. Yeah. He said, why do you want to go to mission, Elder Bodine? I said, I love the gospel and I want to give that back to the people. He said, that's great. But you're there to baptize. And so I kind of had to step back and think, okay, what's he thinking? But having people have that ordinance uh, to provide them to go to the temple and do other things was so important. Yes, that giving what I love and what's most important to me, to them, is wonderful. But having that gate opened for them is is pretty miracle, miraculous. and having them apply what Christ has done for them. So, yeah, I think that's my two cents on that. It, it sounds like you had just a lot of success and a lot of opportunities to teach the gospel and, and that you learned a lot. How did your relationship with your savior change during your mission before, you know, versus coming out versus, you know, coming home? Um, growing up, I never really had any real hard truck struggles or trials everyone has it, it dealt differently um so i have no room to complain um and i felt like my mission i grew the most just having like focusing on christ-like attributes and preach my gospel mm -hmm. and asking myself how can i be more like him how would he share the gospel um even as a missionary i felt i was really diligent and to the rules but knowing how to even become better even while you're doing good like good better best yeah um and seeing people change their lives drug addicts bad marriages at smoking everything made me want to look at my life and say all right you got some things to tweak 
and, and relying on that atonement through Christ has been, it's been so special. I think that's what makes mission so special. Yeah. That's awesome. Re- reflecting back on, on your mission, like what, what do you miss the most? I was thinking about this the other day, being a missionary in a ward compared to like being a member in a ward is so different. Like me as a member, I'm okay just kind of being a little quiet and not knowing everyone in the ward. Um, and I've moved around a lot too. So it that hasn't been easy, but as a missionary, you know, every single person there and because you know them so well, it makes it so fun and you know, the intricacies and what makes everyone different. Um, just kind of thinking as member and missionary, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. The, I loved the schedule, like just knowing what I was doing every day, having it planned out the script, the, like companionship study and personal study. Wow. Like you, you won't get that till you're retired pretty much. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Two hours but, alone to just study. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then the other question I had was what advice would you give to someone that just opened in the mission call and is going to the Canada Edmonton mission? I would say, uh, prepare and be as best prepared as you can. Uh, know the scriptures well, know, preach my gospel, know how to teach by the spirit. Um, as a missionary, it's not all about you. It's, knowing how you can help someone feel the spirit and and change through that. But yeah, I felt like a lot of preparation was what even going to the MTC, I was really comfortable um, where people are like, wow, where did you learn this? I'm like, Hey, I wasn't messing around in preschool. I'm like, you know what, you know what's coming when you get to that age. It's probably, it's probably harder now because it's younger, 18. Mm Mm-hmm but the principle is the same and, and everyone's different too. I know sometimes people go out and then they learn those things, but trying to make the, the gospel important to you now and living in the scriptures, I, th- I think is important. Like reading the book of Mormon and having testimony of the book of Mormon before you leave, at least in our state was really important. Yeah. President Wright made sure, did you read the book of Mormon? Have you do you know if it's true? I think that was part of the the questionnaire is like, if you haven't read the book more and don't know it's true, I don't think you're going to go far in your mission application. Yeah. I don't remember. At, you're talking in the actual that, church application? That was really stressed no, like in our stake. stake okay. Yeah. yeah. And I think, yeah, those different focuses on the ward or stake level makes a, makes a difference too. Uh, yeah. I, I think it's, it's a, it's a test, but to talk to the example that you had growing up too. Um, your bishop and your young men's leaders being so involved in the preparation of you and the young men. I think that's important to, to give recognition to as well. Yeah. That's, that's all I got. That's all I got. <laughs> yeah. You want to be a Marantos Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, let's, uh, awesome. let's hear it. I know that the church of Jesus Christ, the Latter-day Saints is the true church on the earth. I know that the Book of Mormon is the Word of God and that it was translated by Joseph Smith, who is also a prophet of God. I know that restoration has happened, that priesthood keys and authority to perform ordinances is on the earth. And with that, we have a modern prophet 
President Nelson, who guides his church today. I know that uh, we are open to revelation, that we can hear God's word for us, whether through scripture, prophets, or, or random people. I know that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. He died for us, that we can improve and return back to our Heavenly Father. Um, our Heavenly Father is is gracious and loving and merciful, and He has a plan for us to return, which I know is, has guided me in my life tremendously, having a family um, and knowing where I'm going, what, what my purpose is, and say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Lucas, thanks again for, for yes. coming on. We'll post this on Sunday. And uh, until then, appreciate it. Appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you.